Jeremiah chapter number 8. Verse number 4. To give you context before I read. God's nation, Israel, is in trouble again. They have backslidden. They've got to a place to where they're worshiping other idols and other gods. And they have the form of godliness, but they deny the power. And so God is siding with them. That is, he is rebuking them. And we pick up in verse 4. Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, God telling the preacher Jeremiah what to preach to his backslidden people. Here's what you're going to tell him, Jeremiah. Thus saith the Lord, Shall they fall and not arise? Shall he turn away and not return? Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast the seat. They refuse to return. Today my assignment is to preach to you on the dangers of backsliding. Thank you and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I do understand that Jeremiah's day was under the dispensation of the law. They did not have all of the benefits of the dispensation of grace that we have today. And though it seems at times when you study the differences between the Old Testament and New Testament, it seems like the Old Testament judgment seems to be more final and harsh. Yet we are cautioned even in the New Testament that grace even holds us to a higher standard. Because under the law, if you were found with another woman, you were guilty of adultery. But under grace, if you even thought about it, you were guilty of adultery. Because God has given so much more, grace expects so much more. And we'll try to explain a little bit of that as we go. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of context to help you understand the perspective from which I am taking this text. It is an Old Testament principle, but the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So we can get some doctrine for the New Testament church even out of the book of Jeremiah. Amen, church. So let's look at it. Uh, this word backsliding, it means literally turning away Turning back, and I was surprised that it even meant apostasy. Something that I don't think is specifically referenced that clearly until the New Testament. Uh, the word apostasy is a strong word. I have always associated apostasy in my mind with those who at some point after they made a profession of faith, decided to uh, repent their faith and walk away from it. 
And though that is applicable, it's not the total, it's not the totality of what apostasy actually is. And I will explain this in just a moment. But I want you to know this, apostasy is worse than just walking completely away from truth. Apostasy is literally trying to blend truth with the error of your own ways. It's walking away in practice from that which you claim to believe in principle. It is when your actions do not manifest your words. When you say that you're a believer, but your actions tell a different story. And though you may sit on a church pew and raise your hand and say, I love Jesus, your lifestyle says everything else. And that, my friend, is just as much a walking away from the truth as if you publicly deny Jesus Christ as your Savior. Stout, I know. But you don't have to leave the church to walk away from its foundation. You can, in fact, be a gathering of backslidden people deceiving your own selves. The dangers of backsliding. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Listen. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Do you see that? They're living in unrighteousness while they're holding the truth in their hand. They hold the truth in unrighteousness. That is, they say one thing, do another. They are apostate. They have walked away from the faith they claim they believe. Interesting, is it not? I thought about Jesus who kissed the door of heaven. And died and woke up in hell. I think about the many who attend church every Sunday morning. Thinking they're going to rise to heaven on the church pew. Just to find out one day that Jesus is going to tell them. Depart from me ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. And it's interesting as you look at Jeremiah chapter 8. Uh, reading the, some of the fuller context of this chapter. For example. Uh, read with me verses 10 through 13. Therefore will I give their wife. I'm talking about the dangers of backsliding. Look what happened to uh, Jerusalem uh, here under the preaching of Jeremiah. Therefore will I give their wives unto others and their fields to them that shall inherit them. For every one from the least even unto the greatest is given to covetousness. From the prophets, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. You see how that I can tell you that apostasy is in the church as much as out of the church? Even the priests of his day were dealing falsely. Even the priests and the prophets were dealing falsely. Isn't that where we're at today, church? Isn't, this, uh, isn't that where America is at today? We have a, a church on every street corner. 
uh, and yet we have less power to affect change in the world than we've ever had. And yet God put 12 average and ordinary men, I might even say below average, and below ordinary men and turn the world upside down for Jesus because they were full of the Holy Ghost and the power. Amen. And yet we can uh, muster up a thousand different churches and not have enough power to win one convert. God, help our souls. What's the problem? I'm afraid that the church age today is living in a state of apostasy. We have facts living. That is, we have walked away from the very principles of truth that, that we claim that we believe. And one of the dangers of being backslidden is that you begin to lose that which you have gained. Gains will turn to losses. God said their wives, I'll give to others, verse 11, said, for they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Uh, they, in other words, they... Uh, they were not able to bring cure and help and hope to the lost society. Verse 12, were, there, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Isn't that where we're at today? People that profess the name of Christ and live in the old wicked way. And if you start calling out their sin of adultery or fornication or wickedness or homosexuality or lesbianism or, or any of the other sins that the Bible mentions, uh, they say, Judge not, lest you be judged. And they think that God just going to let them ride in the cushion of grace all the way through the pearly grace like nothing ever happened. Uh, but God's going to hold you account. The Bible says, uh, Be not deceived. God is not mocked, but whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Can I give an amen, church? They're not even ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall. In the time of their visitation, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. And then he said, I will surely commune us. Excuse me, I will surely consume them, saith the Lord. There shall be no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree, and the leaves shall fade, and the things that I have given them shall pass away from them. Your gains will turn to losses. And I want to say this this morning. That if you turn your back on the Lord, or if you allow yourself to slip into a backslidden state and condition where you're more interested in your way than God's way, even if you profess the name of Christ, you're asking for nothing but trouble. You are asking for nothing but for God to lift up His hand of protection off of you and for everything to start going haywire. Amen. Uh, uh, how can America pray for the blessings of God while we curse His face uh, with our actions every single day that we are in existence? Come on, somebody, and help me preach for just a minute. That's exactly right. Uh, oh, God, has saved America this morning from her state of apostasy. And God, save our churches today from our state of backsliding. We have turned away. We have turned our backs on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we wonder why there's so much sickness amongst us and we can't get healed. And we wonder why our children go astray and they have no desire to show up at church. And we wonder why things don't go right anymore in our life and why there's
there's no peace uh, and no harmony in the home. And we wonder why the divorce rate amongst the people of God is as high or higher than the people of the world. I tell you, it's because it's the danger of the backslider to be consumed by their own decisions. Your gains will turn to losses, and there's not a thing you can do to reverse the damage except repent. But God's talking about a people that will not repent. I know this is heavy. Can you handle it? <clears throat> Number one, gains will be turned to losses. Number two, good times will be over. Look at verse 15. We look for peace. Read the next four words with me. But no good came. And for a time of help, and behold, trouble. Have you ever wondered why everything's going to turn a sour? I want to say this too, by the way. You can be saved. I'm not just talking to people that think they're saved, but they're actually lost. I'm also talking about the carnal Christian who has ever been as born again as you and I, but they just won't let go of their carnal flesh. That, that I'm preaching about them too. But they're, they're too in love with this world and with their flesh, and they won't grow, they won't desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby so they can be delivered. They're spiritually immature, and they kind of like it that way, so they're not held as accountable as others. And you are backslidden in your heart, and you wonder why good never comes to your house. It's because God refuses to bless disobedience. It's because he will chasten those that he loves. And I can tell you this right now. I can tell you that blessings come to those who believe. It's not even that you are immune from trouble. But let me tell you something. There's a difference between being in trouble and having God's presence to get you through it. And being in trouble because God is disciplining you. Two completely different scenarios. And could it be this morning that somebody needs to do some soul searching? And you've been wondering why nothing in your life is turning out right. It's because God is trying to turn your heart back to Him. He's not a cruel God. He's a loving God, but He's also a just God. And He cannot let His children wallow around in the muck and the mire of this old world from which He saved them and let them get by with it as if nothing's happened and as if everything is a-okay and hunky-dory. God, help us as a church to understand the dangers of backsliding, to refuse to allow our hearts to grow cold on God, to refuse to allow our hearts to, to detest this kind of preaching that turns the spotlight down in our own soul and causes us to look into the mirror of the Word of God and ask ourselves, Lord, is it I? Do you remember when they sat around the Last Supper? And Jesus said, This night one of you shall betray me. And every one of them, from the greatest to the least, said, Lord, is it I? Think about that. John, the beloved, who laid his head on the breast of the Savior, known as the loved one of the Lord, the, one, the only one found left standing at the foot of the cross where the others had ran and hid. Even he had the question, Is it I? 
Don't be so spiritual that you can think uh, that you're immune to, uh, to turning your back on God. And, and what's terrible about backsliding is when you choose deliberately to disobey God, you walk into a shadow of darkness uh, that even hides you and blinds you from the demises of your own actions. Because you become self-deceived, convincing yourself that you're okay when you're not. When the good times are over, you have no peace with God. You look for peace, but you can't find any because you are backslidden, because you have walked away from your faith. Oh, you sing with the choir, honey, and you go to Sunday school, but your actions tell on you, your attitudes tell on you, and God knows you're not where you need to be with Him. Good times are over when we backslide. Let me say this thirdly. Let me read verse 20. They were in a place where verse 20 uh, concluded a sad, sad situation. I think these are some of the saddest verses in all the Bible. Where they said the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Can you imagine with me for just a moment to be in that condition? That God has already pulled in His harvest. And many Christians sitting on the sidelines of mediocrity, sitting on the sidelines of pleasure, sitting on the sidelines of entertainment and power and prestige and performance and sitting on the sidelines of leisure and comfort and the prosperity of this world. And yet God's harvesting His harvest. And then at the end of the harvest, they wake up and realize they missed the whole event. God forbid that it be so named amongst Washington Heights Baptist Church. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on God's great harvest. The Bible says uh, that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. But the reason there's so few laborers is because there's so many backsliders in God's family. Turned back in our actions. It's good to be quiet. It's good to hear the voice of God. Harvest has passed. The summer has ended. And we are not saved. Verse uh, 1 of Romans 6 says this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And I put it in the country by the way, how can you do that? How in the name of God can you continue in your sin and claim to be saved by the grace of God and have no shame? Just a second, I'm having Number three, the dangers of backsliding. One of the dangers of backsliding is God's graces will be forfeited. Now, I didn't say God would run out of grace. But you need to understand something about grace. Grace is a gift that must be received. And it also is a gift that must be respected. 
But so many people just rise and abuse the grace of God. You have come to expect God. I'm switching mics, Brother Mike. We can do this more than one way. God's graces can be forfeited. When we decide that we're going to take advantage of His grace. To take advantage of His goodness. I'm, I'm, I preach grace as much as anybody. I would categorize myself as a grace preacher. And I thank God that He has, you know, the Bible says where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And I'm so thankful for the grace of God. Amen. But there's a difference between blundering and confessing it and getting it right and getting it under the blood and accepting God's grace and intentionally going on in your sin just to expect God to help you get past it and get over it. There's a big difference between the two. And you can't expect all of God's graces to continue to be poured out on you when you keep living a backslidden condition. Say amen, somebody. Amen. You want Bible for it? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. When you decide to make yourself an enemy of God your Father, you will be consumed by the fury and the jealousy of God Almighty. His jealousy will consume you up. For he will, you will not have any other gods before you besides Him. And there is a sin unto death. Uh, we don't like to preach about that today. But there is a sin unto death. You can get so out of sorts with God that God will just take you to an early grave rather than let you continue in your sin and bring his, drag his name through your slop, your, your mud, your, your, your muck and your mire. Can I get an amen this morning? Let me read on. He that despised Moses' law dies without mercy. Under two or three witnesses of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Instead of embracing grace, and thanking God for grace, uh, you do despite under the spirit of grace uh, when you continue to refuse to get right with God as a born-again believer. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, that is, I will repay, saith the Lord. And again, the, and this is how I know it's talking to the backslidden Christian, the Lord shall judge his people. It's not talking about losing your salvation. I'll explain it in just a moment. But you need to understand, he's talking to his people. He said it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands 
verses 26 and 27, which I'll read again, says, If we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. These two verses are saying to us that when you choose disobedience, you choose its consequences. Listen is here. Your sickness remains only because you choose it. Amen. You know how it is when you go to the doctor and uh, some of us are stubborn and we don't want to do what the doctor tells us to do. Might as well say amen. You go ahead and ignore the advice of your doctor and sooner or later you're going to pay for it. And the Word of God is like medicine. And Dr. Jesus shows up every time the church doors are open when we meet in His name. And yet when we go, uh, amen, back out and we're untouched and unchanged, it's not because there's an absence of Jesus. It's not because there's an absence of the Word of God. It's not because there's an absence of cure. It's because we have chosen to remain in our backslidden condition because we're not ready to let go of our selfish ways yet. And God is a gentleman and He will let you walk and blunder into your own messes until you finally get what the point of what grace was all about. God did not give you grace so that you can have a license to sin. God gave you grace so that you can have so much love for Him that you wouldn't want to sin anymore. Is there no bomb? Is there no position? When the doctor is here and the medicine is here, why ain't you no better? Don't forfeit your opportunity to receive grace through repentance and faith towards God. What I want you to hear me say this morning is your life on this side of heaven will be of all men most miserable until you live for the God that you claim you serve. Amen. You can be happier as a lost man living in sin than you ever could a saved person living in sin. Because lost people don't have a, a God conscious. Amen. They're blind. But you know better. And that's why you ain't happy. That's why you kick the cat. Amen. That's why you get mad at people and snap at them. That's why you're bitter and hateful. Because you just need to get your own heart right with God. And once you get your sin under the blood and confess your sin and quit backsliding and get back where you're supposed to be with God, you'll love your wife a little sweeter. You'll love your children a little better. You'll do a little more for God. Amen. You won't be perfect, but you'll be far from where you are right now, honey. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live with the dangers of being backslidden. I don't want to miss opportunities to benefit from the grace that I can choose to benefit from. It's not worth it. It's not worth The price is too high to be backslidden. The price is too high to remain in a state where you're cold in your heart towards the things of God. And I'm praying that God will send a heaven-sent, Holy Ghost-filled revival that will set our souls on fire for God and that will burn out the draws of uh, coldness and indifference towards the things of God. I'm praying that God will help us to search our hearts this morning and make sure, amen, that we're not backslidden in some way in our own hearts. Make sure that the reasons 
uh, that we live the way we do or not because uh, we have uh, deceived ourselves and caused ourselves to think that we're okay when, in fact, we're in trouble with our Heavenly Father. And the Bible says judgment must first begin at the house of the Lord. Amen. And before we worry about trying to get the world straightened out, we need to worry about getting the house of God straightened out. Can somebody say amen? And so I'm thankful for a heavenly father that will send us a stern rebuke every once in a while and tell us thou art wanting. Tell us that you need to repent and you need to come back home. The dangers of backsliding. I want everybody in the building to bow your heads and close your eyes. And in the quietness of this moment, don't even worry about coming to the altar. Because that can just be another show to deceive you into thinking you did something. I want you to be honest with God right there in your seat. Just you and God, nobody else. And ask yourself the tough questions. Am I where I need to be with God? Have I backslidden? Have I turned back? Have I said one thing and lived another? Have I, as it were, followed suit with the apostate church where I have a form of godliness but I really do deny the power of God access to change my life dramatically? It might be that you're a Christian and you're backslidden. But it might also be that you have professed salvation, but in fact, you're lost and need to be saved. I cannot tell you which it is, but only the Holy Spirit of God can do that. But in either case, I want you right there where you're at to search your soul and ask God to have mercy on us, to help us to turn wholeheartedly toward Him, and to do a work in our lives where our hearts are fixed on Him and we're sold out for Jesus all holds bar, no questions asked. We are wide open for Jesus from this day forward. Let's pray, church. Father, in the name of Jesus, I appreciate the holy hush that you put over us. I appreciate the heaviness, Lord, because sometimes we need to be brought into a heart-to-heart conversation with the Holy One of Israel. Lord, I want to ask you that you forgive us for our failures and our sins. Forgive us for our backslidings, O oh God. Forgive us for our calloused hearts and cold hearts when it, is, when it comes time to serve you. When it comes time to do what you're telling us to do, many times, Lord, we reject your voice. We ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. Many times when you lead us to speak to someone about Jesus God, uh, we instead uh, uh, ignore your voice and we instead uh, uh, try to negotiate with you and reason with you and tell you why it would be better to do it another day. And God, instead of just yielding to being obedient, many times we are stubborn and stiff-necked and we, we excuse our uh, ourselves, Father. And we have come to the point, many of us, to where we are so backslidden that we don't even know how far away we've drifted from a holy God. God, bring your church back to you. Bring your people back to you. And I'm asking you to search us and find every nook and cranny of our heart that's got unconfessed and unrepentant sin in it. 
and turn the Holy Ghost spotlight on and, and help us start to, uh, Lord, to release that bitterness, to release that unforgiveness, to, to release that hatred, dear Father, all that jealousy, God, and Lord, all that pain and hurt that's caused us to draw away from you. God, I pray you purge out the draws. I pray that your blood would cleanse us from all unrighteousness and and iniquity in our hearts. And I pray, oh God, that you would clean house today. Help us not to ever be so foolish as to assume that you don't notice when we're not being obedient. That you don't notice when we're not serving you like we ought to. God forgive us. I know we're going to make mistakes, Lord. Because you know the frame that we're made of and we're well aware of it as well. But Lord, help us never, ever, ever again deliberately choose to perpetually backslide. That is to continually over and over and over again live in a constant state of backsliding without ever doing business with you. And Lord, I believe you're calling some of us to your attention this morning that we might search our souls. Or how can the church have an impact on the community if God can't have an impact on the church? How can we reach our community if you can't even reach us, oh God? How can we expect our community to be attracted to the God that we serve when we ourselves are not attracted to the God that we claim we serve? Oh God, help us in our backsliding hearts to turn holy to you. We pray and ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen.